Hello and welcome to the Stew with JT Brew. I'm your host, Justin Taylor. Week six college football action right around the corner. A ton of games this week. We've got all our bets, all our favorite picks, and again, the JT Parlay play of the day. Stick with us. The Stew begins now. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub to start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your roster and pick and choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sifting through sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones through different groups. Universities, institutes, down to homies who click in groups. I introduce hey everybody out there thanks for joining us here on the stew with jt brew again i'm jt got james jam grell on today with me once again to kind of give you all the action we like here in week week six excuse me on a good action this week a lot of games to bet on a lot of stuff to talk about let's just jump right into it jim oklahoma texas is the game of the week it's the one everybody's talking about texas is starting to impress oklahoma's gotten some nice wins lately comes in oklahoma uh texas minus six and a half over under 60 and a half what do you say about this game uh the red river red river rivalry time of year this is uh Maybe with the exception of last year's blowout, this is always one of the most fun games of the season. Um, And I think this is going to be a real interesting one because uh, both teams metrically bring a lot to the table, right? There's a a lot of high points in the data for both of these teams. Um, I think for me, uh, when I look at this one, the biggest question I have is whether or not – Oklahoma can kind of do what they need to do to slow down the ever steady march of the run game of Texas's offense. Um, I think that a lot of the numbers on this this side of the ball are skewed a little bit in Oklahoma's favor because uh, just purely a strength of schedule type of thing. Um, They're they've played effectively nobody, um, but they have shown on on tape some some weakness in that run defense. Um, so like talking about last week's game um, with uh, Iowa State, Iowa State had uh, six runs just in the first half alone that picked up 10 or more yards. Um, when you extrapolate to full season sample size, given the nobodies that they've played, uh, a significant portion of their opposing schedule has been outside of the top 70 in the country in terms of um, rushing metrics and success rates and things like that. Uh, they've still managed to give up 15 total explosive runs over the course of the season so far. Um, and trying to match that up with a Texas offense who um, can kind of run the ball pretty effectively. Jonathan Brooks really started to to look like the feature back, um, the heir to Bijan Robinson down there last uh, last week against Kansas. And for what it's worth, Kansas's defense in the run game is no pushover. They're top 50 or 30 in most, uh, most advanced rushing metrics um, on the defensive side of the ball. And 
Texas picked up over 300 yards on the ground last week uh, against a Kansas defense that's much better against the run um, than kind of what we've seen out of the teams Oklahoma has played. Um, And I just think that it's going to be kind of tough for Oklahoma to really get Texas in a position where they're kind of creating imbalance in the Texas offensive game plan. I don't Mm -hmm. think they're going to be able to keep them in a spot where it's like third and, you know, a mile every single time. I think Texas is going to be able to have some success running the ball. Um, But I think it's really interesting too, because on the other side of the ball, um, if Texas isn't able to kind of keep that, run game moving forward. If they do end up getting kind of behind the down and distance behind the sticks a little bit, um, Oklahoma is not an offense where uh, your offense can have non-quality drives against. Um, Oklahoma is a massively explosive offense. Again, they've, they've played effectively nobody. So that the data is a little bit skewed, Um, but they've, they've had, Really, really good passing down success. Um, and they're kind of one of those offenses where with, the, you know, the the, the accuracy um, quality of Dylan Gabriel, uh, people like Nick Anderson on the outside to really stretch the field. We saw some deep shots hit and, and connect well against uh, Iowa State last week. Um, Oklahoma kind of has that kind of offense where if you're not consistently putting the pressure on by your offense marching downfield and putting points on the board and making plays, uh, Oklahoma can drop seven in one play. Doesn't matter the distance from the goal line. They they just have that kind of talent. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not Texas can kind of keep their foot on the gas in the slow portion of their offense um, and set up those kind of explosives for uh, for Quinn Ewers and company because. One of the places that Texas does lack is uh, Texas has shown some weakness in finishing drives when they do put together a quality drive and get inside the opposing 40. Uh, they're not, they don't rank particularly well um, nationally as far as uh, finishing drives and points on quality drives. Um, so I do think it's going to be important for them to kind of shore up some of those, uh, some of those areas on their offense against an Oklahoma defense that really hasn't played anyone. So while the numbers are good, there's still um, there's still more question marks than I would like to see uh, if I was to back Oklahoma. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Texas, I, I feel like we kind of know who Texas is at this point with some of the games they played with Alabama, Kansas, uh, some of the ones. Oklahoma, to me, is still a mystery. Like you said, they just haven't really played anyone this year. They've looked really good. The stats look good. The defense looks good but they haven't really played anybody explosive. And that's the big question mark for me in this game. Uh, Can Oklahoma, can the defense actually shut down the run game like it says in the statistics they can? Or are we going to get, you know, another 200, 300-yard performance out of the backfield from Texas? Uh, Same thing with the offense. 
Gabriel has, has looked fantastic for the Oklahoma offense, but he's been their entire offense so far. And can he keep that up against what has been a pretty good Texas defense so far? So I think this game says a lot more about Oklahoma to see how they come out if they played this game closer. If they get a victory here, I, I just think it would it would be a little more of an upset. I know it's a rivalry game, so it's always tough to say that. Um, so this one's got me a little bit baffled. I think, I think Texas is... I'm the lean right now, just because we know more about them and Oklahoma is so much of, of just kind of a mystery. Um, but it's tough. The, the more I look at the numbers, the more I want to think Oklahoma's defense is not quite as good as they, the statistics say, but they're pretty good. I want to say they're pretty good. I think they do slow down Texas enough. That's why I'm leaning towards an underplay in this game. It's 60 and a half right now. Depending on where you look, it's about minus 115 on that. I'm kind of leaning the under because I could see this game kind of being in that 34, 24 range. I, I, I think it feels like a 50 point game, but I could see it easily where you know teams don't finish off drives. They move the ball, but turnovers or get stops, and then it ends up being a lot lower than you think scoring-wise. So I would feel a lot more comfortable with the under than expecting these teams to put up points every time down the field to get over that 60. Where are you kind of leaning on this one right now? Uh, so um, I do actually have a have a play on this game. Uh, but before I jump into that, because I do have a side, I do want to follow up with what you're talking about with the total. Um, and I think – I, I like the under two. I'm not playing the under, but if I if I was taking total, it would be under. Um, and I think that the cash on that is basically going to come down to the um, passing down success battle between the Oklahoma offense and the Texas defense. Um, so the thing with the Texas defense is while they've been, I mean, just really clean this year, um, shutting down a much better resume of opponents than Oklahoma's come up against. They look good in, in all three areas of the field. Um, but the one place where that defense might have a little bit of work to do, uh, particularly against this opposing offense in this game, um, they're not a great explosive passing defense. Uh, they, we saw, you know, the Kansas's second touchdown last week after the fluky kind of fumble to your teammate for the score uh, you know, Kansas's backup quarterback, Jason Bean, who's not a particularly good thrower of the football, um, connected, I mean, wide open, no defender within 10 yards of the receiver uh, for like a 70-yard touchdown pass last week. Uh, can, or Texas's defense is, um, they're outside the top 100 in defensive explosives and passing down explosives, and they're kind of matching up with an offense here who, uh, is inside the top 20 in passing down explosives, inside the top 20 in, in passing down success rate, and inside the top 20 in uh, EPA per passing play. So um, I I think it's going to come down to whether or not uh, the Texas defense that is really good against the run going up against Oklahoma's offense, which ranks outside the top 100 in stuff, uh, stuff rate allowed, uh, offensive adjusted line yards, um, can they pin them back in the down, the third down and distance, passing down and distance to enough of a point where the middle of that defensive line can start to create some havoc and get in the backfield and, and disrupt Dylan Gabriel's rhythm and 
temper some of the, that, you know, high explosive passing down offense Oklahoma has. I think that's going to be key to cashing that under. Um, as far as my side on this one, I, uh, earlier in the week, uh, I jumped on Texas minus five and a half. Uh, I have that at minus 120. Um, that one was not a by the half point. I just got the five and a half at the very, very tail end uh, before it moved up to six. But I really, I, I for this one, there the metrics align in such a way that I can see a route to success on both sides of the ball for Texas. Maybe a little bit more modest success on the defensive side of the ball, but success nonetheless. Um, and what really put me over on this one to make me side with the horns is um, the eye test, which when coupled with the metrics, we, we just Oklahoma's defense has been historically bad, not like historically, not this year. They've really turned it around this year, but they've played effectively. No one as we keep harping on and just what I've seen from these offenses that rank well outside of a respectable ranking in certain offensive success measures and things like that. Um, I mean, if a team like Iowa state, who's literally second to last in the country in rushing success rate can rip off six runs in a single half of 10 plus yards um, and, and kind of start off the game with an explosive ground game like that. I just haven't seen enough out of this Oklahoma defense against really poor competition uh, to feel comfortable backing Oklahoma at anything under maybe seven and a half. Um, so I, I just see, I see a little bit of value there in uh, in a Texas play at six or better. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's jump into the Alabama Texas A&M game minus two and a half over under 46 and a half. Um, Texas A&M play without the starting quarterback out for the year uh, with an injury. Alabama's gone back to J.M. Milrow at QB. These are two teams that have been a little bit of transition this year. They've won some good games. They've also lost some uh, real tough uh, battles when they've played at Texas A&M, losing to Miami. Alabama lost a tough game to Texas. Uh, kind of where you lean this one, Texas A&M at home. You, you think that give them a little bit of advantage here, but uh, kind of what do the numbers say to you for this one? Uh, so for this one, um, I'm I'm not playing it because the number got a little too far away from my lean. Um, I did want to try to catch the under at maybe 48 or better, um, 47 and a half or better. It's since crossed 47. Uh, we're looking at about 46 and a half now. So I don't, I don't think at that number I'd want to play it, but that would be my lean on this one would be under. I think that there are uh, questions for both offenses as to whether or not they can effectively move the ball consistently. Um, we talk about on, on the Alabama offense, the offensive identity is really, you know, through, through all the data points we have now in five games has really fleshed itself out. They're a 65 plus percent uh, rush rate offense. Um, they've, Clearly, the last couple of weeks have been trying to get McMillan into that feature back role and stop cycling through all of the different running backs that they use. Uh, but they're going up against the defense um, who 
the interior of the defensive line is loaded with four and five stars. Uh, Tamu's defensive line or defensive front seven, I should say, is top 10 in defensive success rate and top 30 in defensive stuff rate and standard down EPA per play. So they're, they're, it's a hell of a front seven to, to get to you early in the, in the drive, put you behind the sticks and kind of take that run game out of it. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, um, the question is really right. Max Johnson versus the big moment. Can he step into an opponent this big, a game, this big conference game, um, kind of home game where you would think Kyle Field's going to be ripping for Bama. Like they, like they are every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, can he step into that situation and find some passing down success, which, which seems to be where Alabama's defense is, is its weakest, um, you know, weakest for an Alabama defense is all relative, but, um, if you look at like last week's game um, where against Arkansas, where Max Johnson was the, you know, open to close starter, there's a full half second longer in passing play release time between Max Johnson and Connor Wegman, um, which is going to be not really not ideal against a Bama, uh, Bama defense in the top 30 in defensive front seven havoc. Uh, top 10 in defensive standard down success rate and passing play success rate. Um, and AM all all season long doesn't really matter who the quarterback has been, is well outside the top 70 in early down EPA uh, per play. So I question a little bit whether or not Max Johnson can move the ball effectively enough on early downs to keep that Bama pass rush from just kind of pinning their ears back and saying, all right, it's go time. If you're going to beat us, beat us, but we're coming. Uh, I'm not, I'm not convinced Tamu can kind of move the ball in the way that they need to against a, an opposing defense. That's, that's this stout where they're not good. Um, and then, you know, like we were talking about with Milrow and the Bama offense, uh, just a, a, a Tamu defense that's, really good at limiting those, those passing down successful plays. Um, not, I, ha I just haven't seen enough out of Milrow to feel confident mm -hmm. in saying, yeah, he's going to be able to hit three, four or five of these and, and uh, continue drives that should have otherwise stalled out. Uh, so I think the under, the numbers are saying under to me on this one, but like I said, it just got a little away from me. So I, I won't be, won't be playing it. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I don't I don't have a good feeling either way for these teams. I feel like this game could go a lot of different ways. Um, I don't trust these offenses at all. If I was jumping on this game, I would be the under. Like you said, I would have really liked it closer to like 49-50. If you could have got under there, I like it better. Uh, it's starting to creep down as everybody else is starting to kind of feel like the under on this one too. Um the under is the only thing I'd feel comfortable betting, but I'm probably avoiding this game. It's a no play for me. Uh, just things could get wild there in Texas. Two backup QBs. The the under scares me on just the fact that I can see some defensive takeaways that set up early easy scores in early, and then maybe this gets a little higher than we think it would be. Uh, I definitely trust the defenses way more than I do the offenses in this game. So I, for me, unless something crazy happens. Uh, with the line, I'm probably avoiding this game. 
Another game that's kind of been the darlings, Colorado Buffaloes. Not as big of a game this week as they're at Arizona State. Coming off back-to-back losses against Oregon and USC. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was at these games. Colorado got absolutely worked by Oregon. We talked about it. We knew we said they were going to have to play insane out of their mind to stay in that game. They did it. The defense of Oregon shut them down, which we kind of thought was going to be the issue. And then they came back against USC last week. I've been telling anybody to listen, USC's defense is terrible. I mean, they're absolutely terrible. They can't stop anybody. And all they do is wait for the offense to get way up and then let people, everyone come back and everybody comes back and backdoor covers. It's happened in almost every game this year. Teams have come back and backdoor covered against USC. I'm out on taking USC in any of those uh, scenarios anymore. (laughs) But in this one, because of the back-to-back losses, I think I'm shocked that this number is four and a half right now for Colorado and the over under 60 and a half. Now, 60 and a half, I see two terrible defenses. Arizona State's got no D. Colorado has no D. So I can see this game easily going over. But I actually feel really good about Colorado minus four and a half. I feel like if they, if something would have happened with uh, one of these other games, this number would be drastically higher. I thought it would open at like seven, to be honest with you. I thought they'd at least be a touchdown favorite because Arizona State has not looked good. Their best game is like, oh, we only got beat by 14 by USC. Like that's what they've got going for them. Because we came back and we only lost by 14 to USC in a game that they looked terrible in, but but USC just failed to put them away. So for me in this one, when there's ever two bad defenses, I want to take the team with a dominant offense, and that's Colorado. Colorado has absolutely lit it up this year. They've had to stay in games. They've had to score points because their defense is bad and they know it. So that's, that's always the thing I like too, is when you know your defense is bad and they can let anyone back in it, you got to keep your foot on the pedal. You have to keep going on offense and scoring because you know somebody can come back and score on you immediately. A number I thought was real interesting in this game, and I think this speaks volumes of where we're looking at these two teams. Shadur Sanders, the Colorado quarterback, right now in one game had more passing yards and touchdowns, 510 yards and four touchdowns in one game this year than Arizona State quarterback Jaden Rashada has all season he has 403 yards and three touchdowns for the whole year that tells me everything I need to know about these teams Colorado can put up points Arizona State really can't on offense so this game for me I'm taking Colorado all day at the four and a half if you want to get crazy and push it up to even like six and a half and get a little more juice uh, going your way I like that I think that this is ends up it being a double digit win for Colorado. I just think Arizona state is really bad. I think Colorado is going to come back and get right. This is the type of game you want on the road. Not all the hype is gone because you're playing at Arizona state. Not as many people are going to be paying attention. If you're Colorado, you come out and you just throttle the sun devils. And I think that's, what's going to happen. I, you could take the over on this as well, but I'm taking Colorado minus four and a half. And I am super confident about it. I, I just think they worked the Sun Devils in this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think uh I don't I don't love the over, um, but I, I do think Colorado finds a way to run away with this one because um I think that for as bad as Colorado's defense 
is, has been, in my opinion, will continue to be, um, that kind of gets mitigated a little bit when you're playing an ASU team that's going to be starting, what would it be now? Their third quarterback in four games. Um, Rashad is out. Uh, Drew Pine is out for this week. Um, so, I mean, we're looking at a, a team that already struggles to move the ball, that already doesn't have a lot of skill position help, now turning to a third-string quarterback um, who – even against a defense this bad. I mean, if they, if they were capable enough of moving the ball consistently to threaten putting points on the board against Colorado to, to bust up a minus four and a half, minus five, minus four, whatever you ended up buying in at, I mean, he, he would have at least been the second, he, you know, he would have been higher up on the depth uh-huh. chart. There, I just, I, I fail to see how Arizona state does enough um, given how bad their defense is to stay within the number against the Colorado offense that should be able to move the ball. I mean, even without Travis Hunter, they should be up and down this field all night long. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think it's a great point by you. I, I, I would be worried about errors, even with the terrible Colorado defense. I think you're right. I'd be worried Arizona state can put up any points in this game to, to, to get over the 60. I, that, that I agree with you. Uh, that's why I'm hammering the minus four and a half. I think there could be a lot of points scored in this game, but like I'm not sure Arizona State's going to ha- hold up their end of the bargain to get us over that number, and that's that's why I'm saying I I just I'm thinking you take Colorado, stay away from that over under, and then when they win by 14, you're going to be like, and it's 45 to seven. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, I'm really glad I didn't take you know I didn't take that over number because they couldn't get to it or whatever. But yeah, I just I just think this Arizona State team is really bad. Like when USC failed to blow them out, that was just insane to me. I mean, that spoke more to me about the Trojans than it did about Arizona State. I just, I, I'm worried about the Trojans in the future, but Arizona State is not good. Don't let that game fool, fool you that they semi stayed in that one because they got crushed. They just, USC just failed to put up points enough at the end to cover i mean that game was never close so i i'm all over colorado on the four and a half that's one of my favorite bets i i'm just absolutely shocked that it's not higher especially with how much people have been betting on colorado this year and had their eyes on them i think only the fact that they got worked pretty well the last two weeks but they came back against usc had a nice comeback and that gives me confidence at least the offense was putting up points it was really more just the oregon game they haven't scored so i think they put up points again in this game and i just don't i just don't think arizona state has anywhere near the firepower to keep scoring with this colorado offense yeah, definitely agree with that. I think uh, pretty much, I mean, in this matchup, Shadur can pretty much do it by himself. I mean, he mm-hmm. <laughs> he effectively yep. did it by himself in the almost comeback last week uh, against what is arguably the worst defense in the country. Um, I don't I don't see any reason he can't hang a massive number on this ASU team. Jumping in the SEC, Kentucky at Georgia, Kentucky. Put it to Florida last week. Now they got Georgia. Everybody's down a little bit on the Bulldogs. They say that, you know, they got the defense, but the offense hasn't really been explosive. Kentucky, on the other hand, is the feel-good story right now in the SEC. It's 14.5 on the over-under 48.5. Break this game down for me. Oh, man. So, I mean, first things first, 
what an absolute masterclass by that Kentucky offensive line last week. I mean, and then when you have a back like Ray Davis doing what he's doing behind that performance, I mean, 300 plus on the ground, you know, explosive TD run after explosive TD run hats off to Kentucky for that performance. Uh, now that said, very similar to how we were talking about Oklahoma. I think Kentucky's resume is the numbers because of who they played is disturbingly misleading. Uh, and I think there are some numbers mm -hmm. you can, you can look at that really kind of highlight that. So um, they've played two teams, uh, two FBS teams that are, just completely atrocious at moving the ball. Um, give me one second here to pull yeah, no, up. Take no, Reed this. Davis had a monster game. I mean, that was awesome by him. I mean, if you had him in CFF or C2C leagues, uh, you were pretty pumped. I had him <laughs> in a couple leagues, and he absolutely scorched for me. So I was uh, I was pumped to see that and, and him have just a monster game. But, yeah, uh, you go ahead and pull those up. But, yeah, we're talking about – just the offenses in this game is, is going to be difficult. I love the run game for Kentucky, but Devin Leary, he's actually been not as good as I thought he would be. I thought he'd be a little more of an upgrade from last season. I, everybody knows I'm not a Will Levis guy. was not a big fan of him. I thought Leary would be an upgrade, but he, he surprisingly struggled a little bit uh, this year so far. Yeah, um, that's that's for sure. So before I move into the the Dev, Devin Leary assessment of this one, um, the numbers I, I was trying to quote that I didn't have directly in front of me. Uh, so for for who Kentucky has played and the fact that none of those teams are even remotely threatening programs, uh, you know, so far, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball, we'll say uh, Kentucky's. Outside the top 70 in standard down offensive success rate, uh, they're outside the top 40 in finishing quality drives, um, and they're outside the top 100 in standard down EPA per play. So, for a stretch of opponents that you should that a, a you know a SEC Power Five five and O school should be just dominating in every facet of the game. To have some significant offensive, um, you know, success metrics that are are well outside, below average, or outside of, you know, like the the middle third of the country uh, is definitely concerning for Kentucky. Um, and then moving over to to Devin Leary, um, obviously we know Kentucky wants to be a run first team. They have a, a really you know pro style run game in that offense uh, where there's not a lot of kind of the, the crazy college trickery and and the the option option runs and things like that. Um, if your run game doesn't work, which uh, might be getting ahead of myself here, but I don't expect it to given some of Georgia's you know, run D numbers. Um, if that's not going to work for you and you have to turn to throwing the ball on a Georgia team to um, kind of come out of Athens with a win, you're going to need a quarterback that doesn't have the accuracy issues Devin Leary has displayed so far. 35% um, of his passes have a grade of uncatchable or inaccurate. Um, and then you couple that with some of their better, like Barry and Brown, uh, their top wide receiver has a drop rate of over 17% this year. 
Um, I, I don't think that Kentucky has the kind of passing offense that's going to be able to slice and dice the Georgia defense. Um, and if you were to look to how they want to do that uh, and look back at the game two years ago, the Will Levis game, um, under two and a half seconds from drop back to release by Will Levis in that game, A dot was well under 12 yards per pass. So uh, Kentucky in that game was really trying to look to exploit that Georgia defense with quick throws. Um, and, and I just don't think Devin Leary has the numbers so far this season against vastly inferior defensive competition to really be able to have any confidence that if uh, Kentucky um, tries to go that route and flip the script a little bit when they realize that their run game that was so successful last week isn't going to be uh, running into this stout Georgia front. Um, I'm failing to see how they hang points here. Um, And two weeks ago when I was on the show, I was talking about Kentucky, right? That was one of my plays against Vanderbilt, talking about their explosive offense and how they, against the Vanderbilt pass defense, that's well outside the top 100 in almost every metric, they should be able to just hang it at will there. And there was... I watched that full game and there was some concern there. Um, Some Devin Leary missing wide open throws, some receivers not hanging on to the ball in what would have been auto first down passing. Um, Just a little bit of miscommunication on routes run here and there. I'm pretty sure Devin Leary, if I remember correctly, ended up with a pretty egregious uh, grounding call in that game. Um, so I'm I'm struggling to see how Kentucky does enough on offense here. Um, and on the other side of the ball, Georgia's offense, at least the passing offense with Carson Beck stepping in this year has been, uh, and replacing Todd Munkin as the play caller, it's been just woefully underwhelming. Um, and to e- emphasize that point, uh, Georgia's 0-5 against the spread so far this year. Um which for a team that has a defense now, granted, it's not the, you know, all, all 11 are heading to the NFL defense of the past two years that we've seen Georgia has, but it's still a Georgia defense. Nonetheless, still ranks in the top 10 or 30 in most defensive metrics uh, in the country. Um, This one, uh, my play on this, I have under 48 and a half at minus 120. I think that's, uh, that's a play that I'm super confident in. Um, Kentucky's just we've we've illustrated all the places on that offense where where there's going to be some struggles facing a defense like this. Um, the defense is a little like most metrics you can look at with Kentucky, a little misleading because of the um, because of the strength of schedule and opposition, but they do rank quite well in turnovers um, and. I think that when you combine all of the places where Kentucky's offense should be expected to struggle against a good defense here, facts about or stats about the um, Georgia offense, things like worst, I mean, by, by a country mile, worst first quarter scoring offense in, in the country so far this year. Um, you look at the, inability to generate explosives in the passing game from them. Uh, And then you look at 
the fact that uh, Kentucky's offense is bottom five in the country in terms of third down and distance to go. So if they're not, if they're going to want to try to run the ball on early downs, they're probably not going to be too successful uh, against poor defenses. They're in the bottom five in third down and distance to go in the country against Georgia's defense. That's going to be third and a mile more often than not. Um, I, I see kind of a good old fashioned Georgia get right game. Um, they're not going to hang 60 like the teams of old, but I'm thinking something in the ballpark of maybe 34, 35 to 7, 28 to 10, something like that in favor of Georgia is uh, is where where my numbers have this game headed. Yeah, I like that. I like that call. I definitely think under in this game. I don't trust the offenses on, on these teams at all. And I, I just think I could see Georgia dominating and still not winning by that much just because they're just shutting them down. Offense isn't really putting a ton of points up. Uh, I feel like the 14 and a half should be a cover, but man, Georgia just, they just can't get over that hump against any of these spreads this year. So I'm with you. I take the under just because I'm worried about some kind of something crazy that happens and they dominate the whole game and then they end up winning 28, 14 and you lose by the hook and you're like, Oh, it was 28, seven, the whole game. And then they just shut it down. And then a late score, some, you know, BS late. And then they cover. So I'm with you on that. I'm jumping the under if I can in this one, I think Georgia dominates, but I'm worried about them in any fashion, the offense, putting up enough offense to make you feel like a two touchdown covers, you know, easy. So I I agree with you there. Uh, A game that's, it's kind of interesting. It's not going to, ton of uh national landscape you know hype is the maryland oh sorry jump in if you want to talk about one more thing before i jump into the next game yeah i just want to give one uh one or two last thoughts on the on the georgia game i think um so full full disclosure is that i do have um i do have a lean towards the georgia spread um so my book right now has has 14 um but because we're coming through 14, the buy option makes it plus 130 to get down to the 13 and a half. Um, if your book gives you the 10 cents on the dollar to buy the hook and come down to 13 and a half, I would snap that up. Uh, I personally am waiting to see um, if, if I can get below, get to that 13 and a half and, and see the public market kind of, oh, 0 and 5 against the spread, Georgia offense, blah, 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 and kind of buy into the, the recent you know season, recent history. Uh, if that can come down, mm-hmm. I do like Georgia at at under two touchdowns. Um, that that will be something I, I will fire on if I if I have the opportunity to put put in that number. So, yeah, good info there. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just jump in the Big Ten game here. Two undefeateds, Maryland, Ohio State, Maryland at Ohio State. It's not, minus nineteen and a half right now. Over under fifty seven and a half. I've heard some people talking up the Terrapins this morning saying, oh, their offense has been great. I think we're just in another one of those situations where they haven't played hardly anybody. If you look at the numbers, the numbers look fantastic. Uh, Ohio State on the other side hasn't been blowing people out like we kind of expected them in the past, but they're coming off that just unbelievable last-second victory at Notre Dame. Then they had a bye week last week. To me, this feels like a game that Ohio State comes out and just hammers Maryland. Their defense has been fantastic this year, giving up 8.3 points per game. They're third in the country. 
Maryland, I just don't think is ready for this defense. And I don't think that Ohio State has to go out there and put up a million points in this game. I just think they shut down Maryland's pass game. I don't think Maryland is as good as people, as, as good as the numbers, uh, because the schedule's been so sketchy this year. For me, I think people are buying in the hype of Maryland, and so they're buying the 19 and a half points. I just think Ohio State dominates this game. I'm taking the points. I think they can win by three touchdowns. Now, the over-under, you know, it's 57 and a half. I don't love it. It's re- That's pretty high, and that's expecting both these teams, you know, pretty much put up, you know, high 20s, low 30s. This game, to me, seems much more like a 34-7 win. Ohio State, they, they just kind of shut down maybe 34-10. They win by 24. I think they cover. I think they can win by three touchdowns. So I don't have a ton of analysis jumping in that game just because I don't think you need it. I think Ohio State coming off a bye in the big win against Notre Dame, I think they feel like they caught a break, and now they can breathe a little easier and they're ready to roll. And I think at home, Maryland is not going to play well at Ohio State. They're just not. The the, the ruckus there, the crowd noise, they're not ready for it. Uh, Marvin Harrison came out today. He does have that ankle injury, but they say he is playing. I'm all over Marvin Harrison, one of my favorite players out there. I think he plays, and I think he, he, I think he smokes them. So I'm taking Ohio State on that one. Uh, do you have anything you want to throw in on that game before we move to the next one? Uh, so just just some brief thoughts. Um, I'll start by saying I'm not uh, I'm not playing this one. Um, I have a lean on it, and I'm I'm waiting to see. So um, 19 and a half is is definitely a good number uh, for Ohio State. I'm actually believe it or not, I'm on the other side of this one. Um, my book has 20 right now, and I'm waiting to see if that 20 becomes 20 and a half. Um, if I can turn that into three full touchdowns, um, I, I might now for, for the people listening, I wouldn't necessarily say that if I lay that, or if I, if I take that, uh, you know, the three touchdown points there. I'm not a hundred percent confident in that. So I, I don't want to like put it out there. Like it's one of those plays that surefire, mm-hmm. trust me, take this. Um, but I think that Maryland has played absolutely nobody, but they've handled absolutely nobody. Like you expect top teams to, there's been no close games. Every, every team they've played that they've on paper been vastly superior to the final score dictates that. Uh, They've been beating teams by 30, by 40. So at least they've looked the part against inferior competition. Um, The main reason um, I I would like three full scores here, as opposed to the, you know, 19 and a half, 20 that that it's sitting at right now is um, straight up Mike Loxley. Uh, So since taking over at Maryland has been really, really good. Um, I mean, a dominant record against the Big Ten and Big Ten Conference opponents, with the exception of Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, which he is 0-6 with an average margin of score, margin, scoring margin of uh, minus 20 or worse. So when he, in his time at Maryland, when he plays those schools, he just doesn't seem to know how to put it together. Uh, He doesn't seem to be able to get his team up for it. Um, 
and they consistently get blasted by those three schools. Now, the Maryland offense, the the, the whole Maryland team, really, like I said, has, has they've looked a lot better than previous iterations. Uh, so the way they've looked against inferior opponents makes me feel like three full scores against the team that has least looked the part um, is is worth a little bit of an investment. Uh, but I'm for for those variables, I'm not super confident in that. Um, and the other side of that, right, is like Ryan Day is say what you will about Ohio State, but he's one of the best college coaches in the country. Uh, and you give him a whole extra week to prepare for a home game against a team that's five and zero. Um, you know that's a whole different beast. So, yeah, just uh, just lean in a little bit towards the three touchdowns if I can find it, but not one of those things that I'm rushing to the window for. Uh, just talking about Ohio State knocking off Notre Dame at the last second last uh, last week. What do you think about Notre Dame at Louisville minus six and a half over under 54 and a half currently? Uh, so this is one of my favorite plays of the week. I have um, under 54 and a half at minus 110 in this one. Um, and I really think that this game comes down to. This is this is going to sound interesting um, if for for the listeners that like to kind of fact check and dive into the numbers to make sure that they they're confident in where they're putting their money in. So the metrics will tell you that Louisville's offense has been incredible so far this season. Um, rushing metrics are up, passing metrics are up, explosives are up, uh, finishing rate finishing drives is up, but. They really haven't played anybody. And if you've watched the Louisville games, you'll you'll see from the eye test that their offense, like the heart and soul of what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball is set up and execute explosive plays. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that against this Notre Dame defense. Um, they like to, to really get Jawar Jordan going um, and try to try to set up that high rush rate for those deep shots for Plummer. And I don't think they're going to be able to have success doing that because of all, of all the nobodies they've played, the only defense they've faced inside the top 40 in the country in um in rushing play success rate has been uh, NC State last week. Um, I was on the under in that one, and I had Louisville minus three, so I ended up with a push and a win. But, I mean, in that one, 20 total rushing yards over a six, 20 total rushing yards over a 60-minute game. That's astounding to me for a team whose success is predicated on the fact that you can use your run game to open up those explosives, which ultimately is what moves the ball downfield. Um, I don't see a way that they, I mean, if Notre Dame, uh, not Notre Dame, if Ohio state couldn't run the ball effectively with Henderson and Mayan Williams in that line against Notre Dame, I, I don't see any way Louisville's able to do it. Um, the other side of the ball on this one, Notre Dame's offense. Sure. They, they get a couple receivers back. Their top two receivers are projected to come back and be healthy for this game. Um, but after the brutal stretch run they've had, 
particularly two weeks in a row against uh, the Ohio State defense and then the Duke defense, both of which have been top units in the country so far. Um, You have to wonder a little bit how much gas is left in the tank for that Notre Dame offense, especially knowing that they're going to have a boat race with USC on tap coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, And both offenses are well outside the top 100 in pace of play. I think this is going to be a very slow, grinded out kind of game where Notre Dame's offense is going to dictate the game script. They're going to run with Estime in their stable of stud running backs. They're going to take a while doing it. Um, I don't know that Louisville's equipped to, to really stop that. Um, but Louisville does rank inside the top 40 in defensive finishing drives. So when they do let an opponent cross their 40, they're pretty decent. They're above average in making sure that the minimum number of points gets scored on that drive. Um, And I I just think that this is one of those where it's basically going to be Notre Dame chewing clock, getting down, getting the points they can get. Louisville gets the ball back and will struggle to do anything with it. And um, I I just think 54, 54 and a half is a little under a touchdown too high for what these two teams bring to the table. Um, I would, I would play this one all the way down to something like maybe 50. Um, I think I would still consider under at, at 50, 50 and a half. Yeah. I've, I've watched uh, Louisville play a couple times. I was big on them last week. Uh, like you said, they got the push in a lot of areas at minus three. They were not very impressive to me. Uh, I think Notre Dame is the play here. Like you said, I think Notre Dame, even at Louisville, they've had a lot of tough games in a row. I think they still get it done here. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, they're still in the mix nationally uh, if they keep winning. So I'm taking – I like the under, like you said. I just don't think Louisville's offense does anything against them. And I think once they Notre Dame knows the team's not moving the ball against them, I think they play a little more conservatively offensively because I just think they, they have confidence their offense is going to move it when they need them to. So I, I'm all, I'm with you on this. I like the under. Uh, and, uh, couple l- more last, games. Uh, oh, yep. Jump in. One one last thought on the, on this one is uh, so they do have a common opponent opponent between these two teams uh, and a common uh, facility. So both teams played in Carter Finley Stadium against NC State. Uh, Louisville, as we mentioned, only 20 rushing yards the whole game. They escaped that with a 13 to 10 win. Dame goes into Carter Finley. Uh, granted with the weather delay and several weeks ago, uh, but hangs 45, a 45-24 win. Um, so I think that kind of illustrates the class difference here between uh, what we're going to see with these two teams. Yeah, let's set up the last couple games that we're, we're fans of, games we, we definitely are looking at because we want to put some money on or already have put some money on. Um, I'll jump in here first. Virginia Tech at Florida State. The line's high. It's 23 and a half right now. Overrunners 53 and a half. I'm hammering Florida State in this game. I don't think Virginia Tech's any good. I know that number seems incredibly high, but Virginia Tech's already been blown out by Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall. And their only win where they actually scored points was last week 38 21 against a bad Pittsburgh team. 
I think this team is in trouble. They're playing at Florida State. Florida State just got through what they needed to get through, the toughest part of their schedule. They beat LSU. They beat Clemson. They were smoking Boston College before they let up and let them back in that game. I'm going to take that as a wash, a learning lesson for this team. Oh, we got to put teams away. And now that they're at home against Virginia Tech, the crowd's going to be fired up. They've had a ton of these away games. I think they smoke them in this game. If you feel a little bit weary and you want to move it down to minus 21 and put it in like a two-team parlay, put it right down to the three touchdowns, I can see you doing that. I have no problem with that. I think they can win this one by 24. I think they're going to put up a ton of points. I think they're going to score in the 40s in this game. I don't think Virginia Tech can keep up. I'm putting, I'm taking FSU uh, 23 and a half. I just love it. Uh, it's right now it's on FanDuel at minus 118 at that 23 and a half. Uh, Washington State, UCLA, that's a game you were uh, you were liking. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll try to jump into that one pretty quickly. I, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about. Uh, to piggyback off of your Florida State play, yes, I, I like that one a lot as well. Uh, that's a lean of mine. I'm waiting to see if that comes down. My book has 24, waiting to see if that comes down to 23 and a half so I can get to 23. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about that Florida State uh, spot in this one, uh, particularly the fact that uh, Norvell off a of bye week is going to have that offense doing some different things. And it's the first home game for Florida State in over a month, so you know the barn's going to be buzzing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one. If I can get it down to 23, I am all over that number. Uh, this Wazoo game. So, for those that listened two weeks ago um, – I recommended the other side of that one, uh, had us on Oregon state. Uh, we didn't, didn't quite pull that one out. Um, kind of, a a little bit of a first half miscalculation on my part in that one, but every lost bet is a teachable moment. And one of the things we learned from that one is Wazoo is absolutely for real. Um, and I think what this game comes down to, to, to kind of keep this one brief is, I think that there's a lot of similarity between what UCLA wants to do on offense and what Oregon state wants to do on offense. I think there's a lot of similarity between how Dante Moore succeeds um, and how DJU succeeds. I think it's as close of a mirror image as you're going to get stylistically. Um, And Wazoo did just a, a masterclass job of kind of shutting down what Oregon State, who is metrically a much better rushing team, um, much better havoc team on the defensive side of the ball, um, and has similar question marks in the secondary to UCLA. What Wazoo did to that offense and was able to do on that defense, I think is um, – is something that just can't be ignored. Um, the The eye test for that team just looks way too good. Um, and based on the stylistic similarities between the offenses, I'm, and especially like uh, two weeks ago, we were talking about the reason I didn't want to touch the UCLA Utah game in Salt Lake City was because of a true, you know, true 18 year old freshman true freshman uh, Mm -hmm. in his first road game in a hostile environment. I don't know how that's going to look. I don't know how he's going to perform, 
Well, I mean, it's it's a home game for UCLA, so friendly confines is nice, but I I mean, what's the bounce back going to look like? Are we expecting seven points and multiple turnovers against Utah to, to, to suddenly turn into 350 yards, three touchdowns? I, I think there's too far of a gap to bridge. Um, and one of the miscalculations on the Oregon State game was a lot of my read on that game didn't factor in, well, hey, what happens if Wazoo gets up early? Two plays into the game, they were up seven. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. a similar issue for UCLA here. What happens if Wazoo ends up with the opening kickoff and two plays 75 yards later, it's seven nothing? I don't know that UCLA is capable of um, of, of kind of getting back into that one. Um, and the last point on this one is for as good as Cam Ward and that uh, Wazoo passing offense is UCLA's defensive resume. So, I mean, the only team inside the top 115 out of 133 FBS programs that they've played so far is Grayson McCall and Coastal Carolina. They've played in FCS, North, uh, North Carolina Central, San Diego State, and Utah, all outside the top 115 in EPA per pass allowed. You're now stepping up massively in weight class to play a team inside the top 30 in EPA and pass allowed. So I think this should be a air raid field day uh, for Wazoo. And I mean, if you're going to give me over a field goal in that matchup, I'm going to smash that all day long without a second thought. Yeah, I love that. I love where your heads are on that one. I didn't really have my eyes on that game, but I think you're right. I didn't think Washington State's offense just has way too much. I don't think there's any way UCLA can keep up in this game with Washington State's offense. I love it. The fact that they're getting plus three and a half, plus four, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. That's a bet I wasn't making, and I am definitely going to put that one in. I love Wazoo plus four. That's great. And, I mean, even if, man, if you wanted to go money line. Wazoo, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate a money line there in a little plus action on the road. So I like that one too. That's a great call. Um, another game real quick that jumps out to me, super similar to the Florida State game. Miami minus 20 and a half at home against Georgia Tech. Here, they they have not really been tested this year. The one game they did get tested was Texas A&M and they won by 15. Put away Georgia Tech. Uh, their one contest that they really got tested, Ole Miss, and they lost by 25. They just got beat by Bowling Green. And Bowling Green ain't no Miami. I'll tell you that right now. So <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm taking it right now. I think Miami wins this one by three touchdowns. So I'm looking. You can get it right now at 20 and a half at minus 120. I'm jumping on Miami on that one. Another game I'll bring up real quick before we bring up a game that you and me both love is I'm on Michigan at Minnesota. And the reason I'm on this game, I'm on this game in two different bets, and I'll tell you the bets at the end here in my part of my JT Parlay play of the day. But they're at 19 and a half and an over under 47 and a half. Minnesota's offense is atrocious. They've somehow put up 30 points the last two weeks just because they've run the ball like mad. Their QB play is terrible. I mean, it's really bad. Uh, it, it's it's just if you look at their uh, EPA and all everything, I mean, it's just awful. Six point two yards per attempt, sixty two PFF grade. I mean, they're just not good. Uh, very few passes attempted over ten yards, and this Michigan defense has just been lights out this year. Right now, the Wolverines one seventy two to thirty 
on the season. That's what they're outscoring opponents by. 172 to 30. I don't think there's any way Minnesota scores enough points to keep up with Michigan. Michigan, I don't think, is going to score a ton as we've seen this year. They just play a pro style where they want to run the ball. They want to control the clock. They want to use that O-line and those offense. Jay, Jay McCarthy has impressed me lately. I mean, I see this game being like a 38-3, you know, 31-7 type of game. I just think the Gopher, I, I just don't think the Gophers can get it done. I think Michigan's defense is too tough. So I've got two different bets on this one. I'll tell you what I'm taking later. Uh, you, do you have any thoughts um, on on this Michigan-Minnesota game? Um, no, I do. I do lean towards the under. I like that a lot, um, especially with how slow uh, Michigan's pace of play is and how anemic Minnesota's offense is. The only thing that kept me away from this one uh, is I, I think Minnesota's defense and Nebraska's defense profile kind of similarly, not not as close as, you know, I was saying about the Oregon State and UCLA offenses, but they profile similarly enough. And it was a little bit concerning to me last week uh, with Michigan kind of being able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however quickly they want against that Nebraska defense hanging 45 by themselves. Um, I, I do lean under, but that the only reason I'm not taking it is I was a little concerned by that showing last week and, and that shied me off of taking the under in this week. Yeah, just both these teams want to pound the rock. They want to run. That's the only thing gleam. But yeah, if I mean that's the one thing that's got me nervous is is Michigan all of a sudden does just blow them out and just pile up the points. Um, I'm hoping they just get up and they shut it down. So I'm taking I'm taking the under a game. We'll get the last main game on our slate before me and you throw together some of the bets we uh, like outside of these games. Arkansas at Mississippi game, 11 and a half over under 63 and a half. Both of me and you uh, kind of marked this game as a game we liked. Uh, talk about this one uh, a little bit about why we like this game. Uh, so, yeah, we we both love the over on this one. Um, and I think that. This one's fairly straightforward. Um, when I look at this game, I have this projected kind of a little bit closer to 70. Um, so anything low 60s, I would be all over. I think that um, Ole Miss's offense has just shown to be what, with the exception of the Alabama game, what we expected them to be. Um, second year with Jackson Dart, uh, kind of rounding into form here. They're they're hanging points. Um almost at will. They they run a very fast pace of play. They have a uh, top-class explosive play percentage. Um, and Arkansas's defense really can't stop anyone. I mean, if, uh, if you're going to lose, if you're going to let Keaton Slovis and that BYU offense, that's been just really not fun to watch so far. If you're going to let them hang 38 on you, um, Texas, Texas A&M with Max Johnson hangs another, what was it? 36, 37 on you. Uh, I, I just don't think particularly in the passing area of that defense, I don't think Arkansas is well-equipped to stop this out, uh, this Mississippi team, um, off a huge win, Mississippi at home. They've got the crowd behind them should be more than enough to avoid a kind of hangover letdown situation. Um, and Mississippi's defense, where they are not great, is in the trenches and defending the run. Um, and as we know, with you know Pittman as the coach, uh, KJ Jefferson, 
Raheem Sanders is back and looked serviceable last week. He should only get better with another week removed from injury. Um, I see some some ground game success here for for Arkansas. Um, so I, I can I can see this ending in kind of a right around the seventy mark, something like maybe uh, you know forty to thirty four, something like that. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and ultimately, I think that there's been on each for each team on each side of the ball. There's examples and data points on the resume you can look to to say, haha, see, this is why they're going to be terrible at X, Y, or Z. Um, neither of them have a resume where through and through you're like, no, they're definitively stout there. They're good. So I, I just think that this is one where um, Arkansas is going to want to try to slow it down. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to slow down the scoring ability of Ole Miss's offense. They're going to try to do it with their offense. They're going to have good success running that ball. They're going to put points in the end zone, and they're not going to be able to do anything about the fact that Ole Miss is going to put seven on the board on a two-and-a-half-minute drive. Yeah, but I'm with you. I love the over in this game. Uh, projecting out for me, I think this game should be more in the 70s. I'm shocked it's a little at 63. Uh, these teams combined are averaging 77 points a game. I mean, really, this year, the lowest scoring game outside of the Alabama game where just Ole Miss just couldn't get together. The game got slowed down. It was just a mess. They went 10 points. They've scored 37 points or more in every game. And the one game they scored 37 in was Tulane, where their quarterback didn't play. That game missed the over, and they should have put up more points in that game. They kind of faltered a couple times and ended up with 37, but you thought they should have scored in the forties in that game. I just, I think it's going to be real tough to argue for Arkansas to hold them out of the forties, if not the fifties in this game. So I'm all over the over in this game. Quinshaw Judkins had been a little bit of a mystery. Like why is he not looking so good this year? And then last week, bam, comes out of nowhere over 150 yards rushing. Looked like the old Quinshaw Judkins you've seen. The one thing that was making me worry on points was I was like, can Arkansas score enough to kind of keep up with them to keep keep it pushing? Now with Raheem Sanders back, those are my number one and number two Debbie running backs. I love both those guys. With Sanders back, it's going to help K.J. Jefferson. I think Arkansas is going to have to play up-tempo. They want to slow down. I don't think they're going to be able to. I think they're going to realize, like, holy crap, we got to keep scoring. Like, we have to keep putting points up if we're going to stay up with them. To me, this feels like a total over. I love it. I, exactly what you said. I All the metrics say over on this game. I'm loving it at 63. I've got a bet where I'm actually moving it down to under 60, which I just feel like is stealing. I just feel like there's no <laughs> way this game doesn't get in the 60s. Uh, I just can't see how both these teams don't put up at least 30 points against each other. So I'm all over that. Uh, real quick, as we kind of finish things off here, there's a little Thursday night action, Wednesday night action, Thursday night action, Friday night action. There's all kinds of stuff this week. Uh, I'm not going to get into a big analysis on these, but if uh, um, I'm going to, I'm throwing together a little three pick parlay, uh, Liberty minus 20. Western Kentucky minus six and Kansas State minus 10. A three pick parlay at plus 506 on DraftKings right now. Two of those games are on Thursday. Uh, the Kansas State game is on 
Friday. Liberty's going against Sam Houston State, which I was all over Jacksonville State last week. If you were listening to the show or on it, Jacksonville State pulled it out for us. I, I live bet that game like mad. I was jumping when they got down. I was jumped on them plus 490, jumped on them plus 10 and a half. I just kept betting Jacksonville State, and they came back and <laughs> saved me. Monster day from them. I thought Sam Houston State, if they were going to win, that was going to be the game. Liberty just looked too good offensively for me. I know it's a lot of points at 19 and a half. I just think Liberty 4-0 at home against 0-4 Sam Houston State. I think Liberty puts it to him. The Western Kentucky Louisiana Tech game. I think you were on the other side of this. I think you liked Louisiana Tech plus six and a half. I'm I got Western Kentucky at six. I have to be honest. I'm not real confident about it. I feel like that game's a little more of a toss-up. I had Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky both last week in my parlay that ended up hitting with Louisiana uh Jacksonville State, excuse me. But I had that one. And then the Kansas State, they're playing at Oklahoma State on Friday night. Uh, they're 11 and a half. I took it down to 10 for that parlay. Oklahoma State's kind of been a mess for me. I just don't want any part of them. I think Kansas State is just a better team, better program. They've pretty much put it to everybody they played. Their one loss was a 61-yard field goal at the buzzer to Missouri. And again, they play tough. So I like that one. The other Friday night game is Nebraska-Illinois. Illinois right down the street for me. That game I'm avoiding at all costs. I don't trust either one of those teams in any scenario for the over-under, the three-and-a-half. I'm hoping – pulling for the Illini – but it, it, after they just got smoked by Purdue last week, I've lost all confidence, and I can't bet on Nebraska whatsoever. I that team to me, they're dead to me. I I I would not trust them in any scenario, plus or minus. Uh, your thoughts on any of these Thursday Friday games? Uh, so yeah, for the one that I have, um, the one play that I have on Thursday Friday games, I do have Louisiana Tech plus six and a half. Um, and that really comes down more to um, to keep the analysis super brief. Uh, Western Kentucky's this high flying passing offense that the metrics say isn't as high flying as one would think, and they haven't played any defense even remotely equipped to stop a pass heavy offense. Uh, Louisiana Tech is top ten of all group of five teams in. Uh, PFF coverage grade and passing down success rate um, and an explosive uh, explosive play rate for, I'm sorry, not explosive play rate, uh, DB havoc. So PBUs and interceptions and things like that. Um, I just think that this is one of those where, uh, you know, a night game, a home game, uh, Louisiana Tech's offense likes to run the ball. They don't want to kind of try to air it out. So that's Presumably some clock killing there. Western Kentucky's defense hasn't looked particularly great. So um, while the numbers are fine, I expect Louisiana Tech to find some modest success on the ground and keep the chains moving, keep the clock rolling. And then I just think that Western Kentucky is finding themselves in a battle with an offense or with a defense that for the first time all year, they're not just going to be able to call the default play, run it, let Austin Reed find his guy. It's going to be a little bit more challenging than they've been used to. Um, and so at six and a half, um, if I have to lose by a full touchdown, I'm going to take the home team that's a little bit more equipped to stop the opposing offense. Um, any of the other uh, weeknight games, the only other one I really have a thought on is the Nebraska game. Um 
Kansas State should win handily. The number's just not what I would like it to be, so I'm not playing. Sam Houston State and Liberty are two teams that I'm so super low on, I can't bring myself to to fire at that one. And then in the Nebraska game, um, I'm not touching it. Uh, it's not even a lean of mine. I, I, it's not something I'm waiting on. I, If I, gun to my head, had to play it, I would play Nebraska uh, just because I think that um, – the easiest way to say it is more as a fade of Illinois than a, than backing Nebraska. I don't think I could ever back Nebraska this season, but Illinois has just not shown me anything to suggest that they can cover four against a, a team that's fairly evenly matched where it matters. Um, so yeah, that's uh, as far as those games go. Uh, Tech is Louisiana Tech's the only one I've really touched and the only one I really plan on touching. Yeah, you look at the bottom of the screen there if you're watching here on YouTube or uh, not just listening to the audio. I've got my three-pick parlay going there. Liberty minus 20, West Kentucky minus 6, Kansas State minus 10. Moved a few of those lines just a bit. It's a plus 506 on DraftKings right now. My other four-pick parlay in games that we just discussed that I kind of throwing together if you're looking for a parlay action as opposed to just taking those games straight up. I've got Colorado Moneyline at minus 198. Miami I took down to minus, one tw- uh, minus 20 at minus 121. Florida State actually moved from the 23.5 to 20 at minus 186. Michigan, this one, instead of taking the under, which I like, I actually moved the line down to minus 16, so they just got to win by 17. Made that minus 164. That four-pick parlay is at plus 580 on DraftKings right now. So that is my other play right there. And then if you want to take it up just a notch, I've changed that game. I took my four-pick parlay, and I threw it in my JT parlay play of the day again a reminder this is my hail mary bet that i like to throw out every week i like to throw out a crazy five or six team parlay that is a uh, big time money usually plus 1200 to plus 2000 somewhere in that range this one is at plus 188 oh 1889 excuse me 1889 on FanDuel. i took the ones we talked about i took florida state Minus 23 and a half at minus 118. I took that under in the Michigan game, 46 and a half at minus 110. I took Miami, minus 20 and a half at minus 120. I took the Colorado bet at minus four and a half at minus 104. And then I took the Ole Miss game. This is where I moved it under from that 63 and a half. I got it down to 59.5. Like I said, felt like that. Just absolutely love that bet. That got it down to minus 176. But when you pile all those together, my five-pick parlay is plus 1,889. So that's my JT parlay play of the day. I know we talked about some other ones. Anything you like, either ones you're moving the lines on or stuff you like parlaying or or just single games that you really love uh, to kind of finish up the show tonight. Yeah, so um, I, I realized we were talking before the show, and I realized when I was on in week four, that the card that I gave out on the show didn't actually match what my card was because I neglected to share my liens that I was waiting on with people. So um, for just a quick recap of everything that I'm thinking about for this weekend. So the plays that I have are going to be Texas minus five and a half. Uh, We're going with under 48 and a half in the Kentucky Georgia game, under 54 and a half in the Notre, uh, Notre Dame Louisville game. 
um, Wazoo plus four uh, at UCLA, uh, and Louisiana Tech uh, plus six and a half. For some games that I'm leaning on that uh, I may or may not end up playing before Saturday gets here. So we talked about the FSU one. Um, I'm very interested to see if I can get that down to 23. Um, My only concern is, like we were talking about back on that show, is, you know, Florida State to me might be one of those teams that has some get up and go problems against inferior opposition. Uh, So I'm willing to kind of put my put my money where my doubt is. And, you know, if, uh, if I was correct and it cost me, cost me a bet, then at least I've learned something moving forward. Uh, but there's too, too much going on there for me to avoid that. If, if I can get it down to 23, um, I'm looking at the LSU game. Um, and full disclosure is I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this one yet and how I want to attack this, but uh, right now we have LSU minus five and a half and over 64 and a half. Uh, this feels to me like one where the real question is going to be, uh, can LSU actually show up after having their season broken effectively by the loss last week? Do they, can they find enough motivation to play? Uh, if they can, um, anything below six there I like. So if, you know, that five and a half comes down to five or four and a half, something like that, I'm all over that. Or if the total finds enough movement that the total comes down a touch um, and I can play the over or the team total for LSU, I'm leaning towards that. I'm just, uh, just got to see how, how that unfolds. I already mentioned um, Maryland. If, if that gets up to 21 or better, um, I, I'm considering playing that, uh, but again, not something I'm super confident in. Um, just feel like three, three full touchdowns plus is too much value on a team that has looked the part for Maryland so far. Um, this is a lean that I'm, I'm pretty strong on, uh, Kansas right now is minus two and a half against central Florida. Uh, I am waiting on any late in the week news regarding the two quarterbacks, uh, John Reese Plumley for central Florida. Or you, I guess they go, it's UCF now. Uh, but, and then more importantly, Jalon Daniels for Kansas. Um, I think if Jalon Daniels plays for Kansas, given what we've seen out of this, the UCF defense um, and their inability to stop certain parts of opposing offenses, um, particularly the Kansas State game comes to mind. If Jalon Daniels is active and playing, um, Kansas two and a half is just a pure gift. Um, and then the last one is waiting on to see what happens with Alabama. Um, right now, Bama minus two and a half. If that gets up into the three and a half range, so I can buy four, um, I am leaning uh, AM there. But if that comes down to around one, one and a half, um, I'm strongly considering the Alabama money line. Um, and if it doesn't move or kind of stays where it is, that's one I'm otherwise not going to play. So those are th- th- those are my six that I have in so far for the week and four or five plays that I'm considering putting in depending on what happens. I like to let everybody know where they can find you and check out all your stuff online and uh, social media. Yeah, so uh, on on X, I'm uh, at jgorell74, J-G-O-R-R-E-L-L-74. 
Um, DMs are always open if you want to talk any ball or about any bets that I've uh, I've mentioned. Um, and you can find my written content and uh, you know fantasy football stuff at uh, the Dynasty Pros website. I'm JT Orange. You can find all my stuff the stew with JT Brew on the Dynasty Pros Football YouTube YouTube channel. Also, you can download all the shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. IDP info, check me out on DLF where I have my rankings every Wednesday. My IDP waiver wire article comes out on fan track, so check me out there as well. Make sure you subscribe and follow the show so that you know every time we're coming on and when we have our college and pro gambling shows as well as all our fantasy football shows. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, You're in the stew. Thanks for uh, being here. I hope all your bets hit. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing. Racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We start.